0: It's a draw! It's a
1: draw! And then she gets it back! Oh, are kidding me? And the Sunshine Coast Lightning
2: have achieved the unthinkable! Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Inner Circle with Bianca Chatfield. And I'm with you also, Sherelle McMahon. It is great to be here, B. It's been another really interesting week of netball that we've just come off the back of. That's For it me, yeah. it's been. Quite an emotional season in a lot of ways. I feel like with the announcement of the Australian teams, um, there's been some up and downs on the back of that from a few different teams. Um, we saw a very emotional win from the Swifts I on the weekend know. on the back How of Maddie Proud's injury. Another emotional win for the Fever on the back of their um, their drawn matches. Their three drawn matches and to just get over the line, you could just I don't know. Is there something about this season that's just <laughs> I don't know, it's so emotional and seems to be a bit up and down. I I agree with you. And I think it it just goes to
1: show the mental side of the game. Yes, we know physically everyone's on the floor and it's, you know, (laughs) steps up another level every single year. But I think just the mental game that everyone plays and, you know, Swifts, there's no doubt that what happened to Maddie Proud and how tight that team are and how much they stuck by her, there's no doubt that's what helped them get that win. You know, it was that all played on their minds and they wanted to do it for her and she's crying after the game. And you just Unbelievable. like, wow, it's so intense. But I think it is. And then I think when I look at your Vixens girls and what's happened since the announcement of the Australian team, I, I, I just don't think there's any doubts either that that's definitely played into how they're playing at the moment. It is a little bit up and down for them. They've had girls that are very disappointed. They've got other girls that are very happy that they're in the side. Mm. Like, I think it has, you know, taken it out of them a little bit. But I must admit, I was actually also very emotional after our uh, last podcast when we put it out there about get rid of, well, I put it out there about get rid of the (laughs) huddle. And the only person on social media that agreed with me was Natalie Medhurst. So... (laughs) Thanks, Bunga, for always sticking by me. You got <laughs> absolutely
2: smacked down on that, vent. Smacked down, down on
1: that. People, you can keep your huddle. <laughs> I'll shut up. I understand when... We've it's... got to keep some of our traditions, being. <laughs> okay, you can you can have your huddle. Least I don't have to stand in it and participate
2: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very, very clear message. But um, I, I wanted to um, ask about some of um, the emotions that came out of that. The, the Swifts and Giants game, what an incredible match that was. It was played in front of nearly 11,000 people. Mm. Absolutely amazing for for a round match. Um, And the Swifts, perhaps there were some question marks after losing Maddie. She'd been in super form. She's their captain. Um, Whether they could kind of step up and and cover that. And they were absolutely challenged. And in the end, they just... They found a way to do it. Um, Maddie was on the sidelines. Um, she dropped an F bomb, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I've seen that she's kind of apologised for. But, but I love the emotion. I, you know, I'm sure that she probably thinks, oh, gee, I. My mum probably wishes I didn't drop that f bomb on on uh, on the coverage, but I-, I love seeing that emotion from teams and being able to to pull that out in those moments. Definitely, and players
1: like Maddie Turner, just her intercept at the very end of that mm. game that you know that was huge. But they've bought in L Bennett's. Who a Victorian who moved up to New South Wales to play for the Giants in AFLW and has now got an opportunity to play with the Swifts. I thought she fitted in really nicely too. I thought it was a great game by her, the speed that she added to that. It, they've, they've got a real good nucleus, I guess, in that side where no matter who comes in and out, you know they've got their set standards and everyone goes in there and everyone just seems to be mm. able to perform in that environment that Bryony Akel and the girls have created so mm. i love watching them play i really want to see them do well this year
2: yeah there there is a lot to love about the way they go about it and you mentioned their coach Bryony Akel she needs to get a massive here because um, there weren't that many people who thought that the swifts were probably going to push for this season, um, when you look back at the beginning of the season when people were talking about who were going to be the challengers, um, but they have absolutely found a way. And the challenge for them, you know, I talk about this emotional ride that yes. teams and players are going through. The challenge for them is to back that up this week. So they've won an emotional game yep. um, with with Matt, uh, Maddie being on the sidelines and, and feeling all that, being able to win. Can they do that Again this week. That, that'll be their challenge. That will be. And when you talk about the emotion, another side that I
1: think used the emotion to get the win was the Magpies against the Vixens last week. You know, that was full of emotion. And, yes. you know, they managed to get it for the first time since this competition has started. However, they fell in another big hole against the mm. Lightning on the weekend. I don't know what is happening. And when you look from the outside into that side, you know, you see your Ash Brazels and your Jeeva Mentors trying as hard as they can to get the team out of that rut, but they were just in all sorts. I don't know what is going on. It's it's fascinating to see, and I'm sure Rob Wright is like very frustrated in what is going on out there on court. Lightning were very good though. We don't they want to were. take it. They were excellent. Carla Pretorius, amazing. Like they were a very excellent. Um, side and the way they played that game. But, yeah, the magpies are just in all sorts.
2: Yeah, and, of course, we spoke to Ash Braz. Well, we used some um, of her comments from from a radio interview earlier in the day in the podcast last week, and it was really interesting to hear her talk about those conversations they had, the tough conversations that previous week in the leading to the Vixens game. Um, and again, as as you say, it was you know they really got themselves up for that, and you you wonder how much for all of these different teams, how much that getting up for that that yep. emotional win then takes out of them the following. That's week. right, it's
1: exhausting if you're yeah. relying on that every single week to get the wins. Yeah. Uh, another coach that I think has been doing a great do- job is uh, Tanya Obst with the mm. Adelaide Thunderbirds. I've watched their last couple of games up close and. I just really like the way she talks to the girls. I like the way she's kind of what she wants them to do. When you can listen into their huddles and you hear the way she wants them to play and you can see that they're actually all trying. They might not have all, you know, guns in each area of the court that they can call on, but Hannah Petty, I think she's doing a great job Mm. in the midcourt. They're going to get there, and I think they're on the right track. Whereas the Thunderbirds, probably of the last couple of years, we haven't really seen that consistency in them. So they nearly beat the Fever. It got right down to the last kind of couple of minutes, and Fever managed to pull out uh, a win by one goal instead of a draw this time. Oh, yes, well
2: done to the Fever. And you're right with the Thunderbirds. You can you can definitely see the direction that they're heading, and they do have some really outstanding players in different positions too. I mean, Shamira Sterling has just been. Absolutely, one out of the block yeah. for me. She's just been so great to watch. Um, and you mentioned the fever. Be finally, <laughs> finally in one of those tight matches, they've pulled the win out. After, I mean, I don't think it's unheard of to have three draws in a season, but it's very, very rare. And it looked for a little period of time that there was another one on the cards. And I thought Imagine surely that, four not. In five weeks. <laughs> surely not. But they they did find a way um, to get it done, and with. You know, you talk about a draw and how perhaps how disappointing that is, but they're still ticking those points along, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So in some ways, they actually are keeping themselves in touch with still being able to have a push, uh, particularly after this World Cup break. So you you just don't know. And that little win for them may be something that clicks into gear and, and starts them on their way. What about the Firebirds-Vixens game? You were obviously there. Yes, sitting on the bench, yes. I don't
1: think I've seen a team celebrate the bonus point as much <laughs> as what I saw the Firebirds in that first quarter. It, would that be true? Have you seen that be celebrated so much?
2: They were so excited when that <laughs> – it was actually a brilliant goal oh, to finish that quarter. How was Gretel Tippett? Like... The Gretel Tippett actually, um, for an individual performance, she, she had a great game. She's so athletic. Yes. Some of those balls she took – were amazing across that game and probably none more so than that final goal in the first quarter. Here we are talking about how (laughs) exciting that was. Um, She leapt up and delivered the ball in under the post and um, I actually admit that I looked across um, after that goal was scored and I thought, Gee, that seems a little over the top for just scoring that goal and then realising – and this is the thing about the bonus points. It has been much maligned, Mm -hmm. the bonus point. I have a sense that this season the teams have managed it much better, embraced it and actually realised – the impact that it can have on on the way you play the game and ultimately your position on the ladder potentially at the end of yes, the year. Yes, definitely. You want the bonus points as much as you can get them. So you understand for some like
1: Firebirds who have been struggling quite a lot, for them to be able to get that first one and also you know be leading at quarter time is probably huge for them. Yeah. Does it make you feel – well, actually, how does it make you feel considering you were on the working group that decided the bonus point mm-hmm. needed to come into play? You would have had all sorts of commentary – Around it last year, where people were loving it or hating it, whatever. Now it's mostly hating it, mostly (laughs) hating it. It seems like that's
2: all settled down a lot now.
1: Does it make you feel like it was the right decision?
2: Oh, it's an interesting one. And, and, you know, as you say, I was one of the many people involved in (laughs) in this, and I am a traditionalist, to be honest. So the change for me was a a bit like, okay, I can see how it could work. Um, And I think what what I've really seen is that the teams are approaching it differently. So last year there were some teams that were like, we hate the bonus point. It's really annoying us. What if it keeps us out of the finals? What if this? What if that? Whereas now they are going, you know what, this is in and we are going to try and use it to the best of our advantage. You hear it. In the huddles, yeah, the, you do. The teams talking about it. You, you can see there are some teams calling a timeout with thirty seconds left on the clock because they want to have the right strategy in place to either keep a goal yes. out or to score a goal. So I think with the way we're seeing it play out now, it's good. It's great. Yeah, and and. The, the basis of it was that you had little games between, within a big game. Mm. So, you know, in that first quarter, as you saw for the Firebirds, how important that was in the last quarter of a game where the game's already done but you can still salvage some points. It It does for me create some real interest and a real push from the teams finishing the games yeah I really like the strategy behind it I think that has just brought a whole new dimension to the game
1: yeah that's what I enjoy watching and also just hearing how they're they're trying to work it out one thing I wanted to ask you is do we need to just have rolling interchange so you can sub on and off as you please (laughs) do you think that needs to be there right now
2: Yes. Are you okay with that change? <laughs> you <said> you're not <laughs> sure about My change? traditionalist heart. Yeah. Well, look, we spoke about um, a couple of weeks ago about one of the things that I would like to see changed in our games. And, well, my big bugbear is the fact that to make an interchange, unless there is a timeout called or at a break, um, we have athletes pretending to be injured. Yes. And I do not like that. <laughs> I think that is absolutely ridiculous. That acting is not up to scratch or? Uh, it's, I mean... What's oh, the umpire has to go? What's your injury? Umpire? Oh, I've hurt my finger. Like it's not great acting, to be honest. No. Um, I think maybe we need to put some acting classes in place. <laughs> what the hell? Last week,
1: uh, the Lightning Thunderbirds game up in Darwin. So I was courtside. I was watching Kate Shimon, who'd come on at goalkeeper in that last quarter. She'd come on and they were trying to obviously – It was it was close. It was I think one or two goals in it. Kate Shimman went onto wing defence first, then moved back to goalkeeper. And there was probably three minutes where Tanya Obbs was telling her to call time. It took probably a minute and a half for the message to get to Kate Shimon. Once it got to Kate Shimon, then it probably took about another minute and a half for her to have the opportunity to say, mm-hmm. I, I need a change or I'm injured or whatever her injury was, <laughs> for Shamira Sterling to be able to come back on. And so Lightning had put peace out there in goal shooter and that had changed the game. Mm and in that 3 probably 4 minute amount of time i think that cost thunderbirds the game because they couldn't make that change quick enough. So I think had we had rolling subs, that would have happened very seamlessly and easily. And probably Lightning is saying, no, we don't want it. But (laughs) for Thunderbirds, I thought, you know what? This is where potentially that could really, again, add a a different tactical dimension to netball. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, whether that's exactly the right way to do it, rolling subs, but I think we've got to get around... Our players pretending to be injured so that the coaches can make a change. I just I don't like that. And I also, don't if you're like a bench player,
1: you do just sit and watch a lot of the time too. Mm. So imagine if it's rolling some. Yeah, you'll you pretty sub- much
2: play a game during a warm up <laughs> yeah. because you'd be having to be always
1: ready to go. There'd be no just cruising around or sitting there. No, absolutely
2: not. <laughs> hey, um, we've got. I just will mention this. Um, we've got a really great guest coming up later. It's Norma Plummer, um, one of our ex-coaches Bianca, um, and the current coach of the South African team heading over to the World Cup. I can't wait to chat to Norma about her experiences with South Africa, what she feels like the team's shaping up like and um, I I want to know because I think it's really clever of Norma
1: to have planted these South African players all around Super Netball <laughs> because – They are developing so much, and they are incredible players in their own right, but for her own World Cup preparation, surely it's a massive advantage to have them out here in Super Netball, and there's six of them at the moment playing in Super Netball. I want to know if that's a strategy, because we know Plum's very good at her her strategic brain. She's very clever. And I wonder if she's ringing up all those Super Netball coaches and just saying, "Hey, I've got this player, got this player. for you. Do you yeah, want that? You look like you've got a little bit of a gap. <laughs> yeah, you've got a gap um, there. Why don't you take this?" And player? isn't
2: it interesting that it's a completely different strategy being used by New Zealand, whereas in New Zealand, effectively, they're being their athletes are being told if you do play in that competition, you'll be ineligible to play. Although, mm. of course, we see some exceptions to the rules, which is great. Yeah. We're excited to have Laura Langman and. Um, who else have we got over here? Maria Flower, of course. Sorry, Maria, apologies. (laughs) Far out.
1: I (laughs) haven't thought about that
2: actually. Yeah, it's a completely, completely different strategy that they're using. They want to keep it separate. And, um, you know, well, obviously Norma is uh, using it as, as a training ground for her Mm. athletes. Um, You know, maybe New Zealand are just backing themselves in their program that they don't feel like their athletes need to be in this environment. I think it's it's pretty widely accepted, isn't it, that the Super Netball is the best competition in the world. Yes, I would think so. So, yeah, it's. Do you, do you think that's? Do you think it's the right strategy for New Zealand to keep their players away from this competition?
1: No, I don't think so. I think that's... Quite stupid of them, but I understand why they're doing it because of you know, when the ANZ Championship became Super Netball, that was a huge loss for them, and so they wanted to create their own competition like Australia were. But I think they'd probably have to concede now that the Australian competition is where everyone's
2: going, yeah,
1: and where you know, the it is, it is the best competition, there but is the danger,
2: the I guess, is that, um, and perhaps we'll ask Plum about this too, but the um, I know the South African National League almost fell over completely this year. Because so, those girls are not well, there. Well, because, of, you know, maybe the top players aren't there or they don't have the funding or support that they need. So I do get, from a New Zealand point of view, that the way they get their funding is largely through those broadcast rights. Yeah, that's um, for a, good a really point. strong national competition. So if you then have you don't have your best players playing in that, then mm. probably you're not going to get as much funding in and then what impact that does that have on your program um, from a, a broader perspective. So um, It's a very good point. It's a you really made, it's a really complex yes it 's thing to work <laughs> far through, more isn't than it? us to <laughs> say whether we agree going, ah. or disagree on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, We might uh, not have time to really delve into that, but hey, one thing that I just wanted to, to chat to you about i 'm an avid watcher of the AFL as i 'm sure you are, and many of our listeners would be there 's been a couple of interesting ones uh, floating around the AFL in last week in particular. Um, we had Sydney Stack yeah. um, giving his indigenous brother um, from another team, the uh, Richmond player giving Eddie Betts a high five after kicking a goal. Yeah. Um, Do you know what that reminded me of? What?
1: <laughs> that reminded me of that time when... Melbourne Phoenix were playing Sydney Sandpipers. Yes. And <laughs> you and Moni, I don't know what was going on, but I looked over from my, oh, The transverse tweeted live. me this after. <laughs> and you <laughs> We leant over and gave Monier a little kiss <laughs> on the cheek just
2: before I set a pass. Well, B, it actually wasn't Phoenix Days. It was the first year of the Vixens. Oh, was it? Yeah. and I think Was that, it the Sandpipers? Uh, no, it was um, – I think she was with the Thunderbirds at the time. Oh, the I Thunderbirds. Think. I okay. think. Anyway. Um, more cameras around. Yeah, yes. Of course, <laughs> you know, back in CVT days, no one would have noticed <laughs> no that I'd done that. But, but, yeah, well, what was that about? Well, it was actually before the game had even started okay. um, and Mon – if anyone remembers, used to have those long plaits and braids in her hair. Yeah, and she would often use them to when she did a little roll off or a little spin oh, in attack yeah, and know. flick you in we the used face. We talked about that in the diamonds. Uh, yeah, we're playing she used together. to love doing that. So she was right up in my face. It was that before the umpires were still on the other <laughs> side of the court. <laughs> it was the Thunderbirds set a pass, and she was right up in my face, getting ready to do a spin off and flick me in the face with her her braids. Um, and I just thought. Ah, oh, I just—I don't even know what came over me. I just like gave her a little peck on the cheek, <laughs> and it worked because she got out of my face and when I, I think she was like, "What the hell was that? I did not expect that from you." But um, you know, so I think Sydney Stack got a little bit of criticism actually for the interaction um, with oh, Eddie Betts, people. but I think. If anyone was going to question Sydney Stack about the effort that he was putting in or the effort that I was putting in because I'd given Monia a kiss on the cheek, I love those personal interactions between the players They're human. Yeah. And I just think it adds something to the personality of a sport. Totally. I used to love having a chat to whoever was goal
1: shooter here when I was playing. I just think that you know these girls most of the time off the court. So when you're on the court, even just to have a bit of fun with each other, yes, you're still taking the game so seriously. But you've got to be able to have a laugh yes. and I think, you know,
2: everyone loves to be
1: outraged these days. Just calm down. Just calm Just down. Just Everything's
2: okay. What, Should we, we p- talk to Plum? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk to Plum. Let's get into it because uh, I am really excited to, to chat to her and find out all about how she's put her team together. And what she thinks of the Aussie team. I wonder what she'll say about that. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's get on to that. You're on the Inner Circle with Bianca Chatfield and Sherelle McMahon. <laughs> the inner circle with Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield now as we mentioned before the break we're very excited to be catching up with this lady it is Norma Plummer the current coach of the South African netball team heading over to the World Cup and of course an ex-coach of both Bianca and mine Plum welcome to the show Thank you very much, lady. <laughs> Good to hear from you. Yeah, well, it's fantastic to have you on. I mean, there's so much to talk to you about, but we're going to just jump straight into your team, the South African team, heading over to the World Cup. Of course, that has just been announced for you. How have you felt that it's come together?
0: Well, yeah, it's uh, been a little bit of hit and miss, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, we had to do uh, with the players back in South Africa. We had a little... Bit of a camp with about eight of those, uh, because the rest of them were overseas. So when we actually had to select, um, we needed to have a look at the players in South Africa to make sure they were still up to speed, because they didn't have a, a national league until we, it started. I think um, just about the end of May, which was awfully late, and um, you know, so it. Yeah, it was really just on paper in the end, but I uh, I think, you know, I'm very happy with what we've selected.
1: How important is it for you, Plum, that to have the girls, especially, I think there's six now playing in Super Netball, how important is it to have them out here playing in this competition? In one word, yoo <laughs> 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 I I can't tell you how fantastic
0: that is because it's all about the competition, you know, And, you know, being an Australian and coaching you guys and that, you know, we know just how tough our competition is. And that is a massive advantage. But I don't think you really get a grip on it until you go somewhere else in another country and understand that. Because it's about, you know, the fight to the end. And, you know, with with the South Africans over the time, um, you know, I was, pretty soft on them to start with and then build it up and now I'm sort of cracking the whip a little bit <laughs> because when we went to the last quad series we we'd got England once and we'd been close to Australia and New Zealand but I said to them that we were really letting it go in the last seven minutes or so and they had to learn to be uncomfortable you yeah. know that's when all the pressure comes on but enjoy it and don't back off. Our shooters started to back off going to the post and then we would lose by that three goals all that. So I really did get stuck into it to be honest with you and I was so wrapped in, you know, the quad in January, we got England. And seriously, we won that game against New Zealand. Even uh, Maria Falau told me when I had a coffee with her about three weeks ago, she said, Mum, you won that game. as was are telling me. I did I know. <laughs> that they'd blown the, the score out all the time. There were two goals behind on the scoreboard all the time. And, uh, yeah, it was very confusing. But she believed that uh, the umpire, you know, got it wrong and that uh, she shouldn't have had that shot. But anyway, I thought that was nice of her to say. But in the end, we didn't get the point. because so then we had to play in the overtime. And again, you know, you never stop learning as a coach because what I didn't say to them, and I didn't actually think of it like once you you play your seven, two seven minutes um, and then, you know, at that stage, it sort of play on to the score, the kids were still playing to a clock. But of course, there's no clock once that happened, so they got a little bit panicky and threw a couple of balls away, you know, because at that stage we could have afforded to just um, take it our time and been pretty cool about what we wanted to do, but I remember Erin picked up a ball, thought she whipped it off to Lanice, but Lanice was looking to where the other shooter was.
2: Oh, Norma, was didn't just... you learn from watching the Manchester <laughs> Commonwealth Games? That's what happened to us then. <laughs> Surely we've realised, no, it's yeah, a I mean, weird you know, thing. Again, again, you, you
0: assume the players haven't played in the.
2: No, exactly, know? and it's all learning, isn't it? It is all
0: learning. So, you know, they're all the things we'll be more primed for when we go into. Um, you know, World Cup, and uh, I I really would love to get them into the fall, but, you know, it's a World Cup and anything can happen and you can see that a lot of other teams are standing up now.
1: Now, with getting the girls over here in Australia, are you ringing the Super Netball coaches and going, I've got all these players that you can select (laughs) from and this player will give you this and this player will... Are you helping with the recruiting process? Um, Let's say I'm helping, but I'm not ringing them at all. They... um,
0: they contact me about the players once they've seen them and they've been there, you know, and seen the performances. I start getting the calls, yeah, and yeah, I'll farm them out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Norma, a couple of, I mean, we've been watching closely all the South African players who have come over to play in the Super Netball, but probably none more so than Carla Pretorius and Pumza Mawaini, the combination that they are starting yes. to form at the Sunshine Coast Lightning. You must be thrilled with that. What What I want to ask about is when you are coaching an athlete like Carla Pretorius, who just seems to play so instinctively, what is it that you can add to her game?
0: Oh, well, that's a funny story. When I first coached her in the very first game, I said to her, we were playing Malawi and I wanted her to go on the court and I wanted her to nail that goal attack, keep her out. I felt that um Pumda could handle um, you know, the shooter so I said I wanted and and, and, and Wenda wasn't in the team, this was another shooter because yep. we were playing it um in South Africa. And she went on the f- the first quarter and she did everything but <laughs> so, so she came off and I said, Well that was interesting and I said um the goal attacks put up X amount so she's having a good game so I said, I tell you, this is the deal. You either go out and shut it down or see that seat there. You you can sit there. I can can put somebody else on. So she went out, and she was magnificent. She absolutely was pulling them in everywhere. She dominated that goal attack. And so at the end of the game, she won the 3,000 rand, which is $300. So at the end of the game, I said, well, that was fantastic, congratulations, and by the way, you owe me half of the she <laughs> have got it. <laughs> so she then started to understand the humour, but she's never, ever uh, taken a backward step from what I asked since, so um, I say to her, her, her game is one-on-one, and that's um, the way she can come through, but you know, she also very astute of working a circle, and last weekend, I thought that was the first game, I had seen the two of them put Mm, together. Incredible. Yeah, because the two weeks before they had gone off the boil a bit. So I'd phoned Noel in and I said, uh, what are you thinking? Because I said, I think Carla's worrying about Kumza and she's got to let her play and just stick to her own game. And she said, yeah, I agree. And uh, So we sort of discussed it and I thought um, in the last quarter of the game before, they then didn't do a bad job they got it together but then this week they walked out and that was just outstanding i was so wrapped in what they did it was it was excellent and um you know i think it's a matter of um you know it, it's everything else it's uh sometimes players get a little bit unsure and get you know a little bit worried instead of then just going through the process and realizing you yeah, let the other one play and uh, we'll work it together and they just, everything worked.
2: Yeah, and, the, and that's, I guess, part of that, building that combination. Um, and we, we saw that a little bit with Erin Berger and Lenice. Is that right, Lenice? Yeah. Potgita. Pot, yeah, sorry. Potgita. <laughs> um Pot Gita, yeah. well, Pot uh, I've been getting lessons from Inna Marie about how to uh, yes. <laughs> pronounce her surname, which is, uh, it's hard to get that roll of the R, of um, yeah, <laughs> the G, but... Um, as as a, a goaler, as a goaling coach, and a, a previous goaler, I get a tick when I see um, her put that shot up because it is such an unusual style. <laughs> you get a tick. It is it is such a quick shot. Um, again, what what is the the coaching that you try to put in and around that? Is that something that you try to shape and change, or is that just a natural flair for her game, and you let that just play out as it is?
0: Yeah, no. When she went to England, um, I said to him, "Look, she, she's she's." Not going to take a ball in the air like, you know, some of the other shooters. She's going to be on the big lunge. She's more an Irene Van Dyke lunge type thing, which is so damn effective. Yep. Once the ball's placed oh, right, yeah, and uh, but they did fiddle with her shot, and she came back, and she was in a bit of a mess. So, you know, and you know, because Nikki's working on the um, shooters, so mm. Nick worked very hard with her and uh, got her back to being comfortable. But she has a habit of changing things up because now we're shooting it very much in front of us. It's like, I said to her, because they came down um, to the Gold Coast, because I was staying there on the um, Monday, and she, uh, her and Erin came down, we had lunch, and I said, to her, what's going on? It's like a hot potato, bang, you know, it's like turn, bang. <laughs> it was that quick. Was. And I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But I said, I was disappointed when she was about two feet out you know three three steps out from the post, and she just stopped because they lost two when she did that. And I said, "There's the uncomfortable bit again. Mm. You must go for those shots, don't waste it, you know, and you can shoot them. she can. She can actually shoot anything she wants to. but um, we'll go get back into working very hard on that when we get into Wales for a two test series prior to Worlds, but a great kid, she's a great kid and a great competitor.
1: So what is your prep time that you have with the girls together as a team before the World Cup? Well, that's it. We,
0: I fly out next Tuesday and uh, the 25th. And then on the 26th, uh, the Spa um, supermarket chain that are their sponsors will give us a farewell. And on the 27th, we'll leave in the evening to fly to uh, Heathcote. And um, we'll, Nikki will pick up the players here and they'll fly directly in. We'll meet in uh, the 28th in the morning, and then um, bus it down to Wales. So, you know, um, that's really going to be her preparation. We'll have about four, five days prior to a two-test series, uh, which is on the fourth and fifth, and then on the sixth we'll. Jump on a bus and um, track it up to Liverpool, and a few training sessions before. But that's the only time I have the whole team together. Mm,
1: wow! So it's tough, yeah, isn't it, it is a bit tough. Yeah, it's so different to when you're yeah. coaching. You know, the Diamonds. I want yeah. to ask what you think of the Diamonds team that's been selected. Is it a team that you would have selected? <laughs> well, as a
0: matter of fact, I've uh, sat with Nikki and I said. I reckon our teams would give this lot a big run for their money. <laughs> so there's a bit of a boost for you, girl. <laughs> Look, I think, uh, you know, you, you pick what's there and uh, the best that's informed players, and uh, Lisa would have her reasons for picking. You know, I, I was a bit disappointed. Ash Brazel doesn't get a crack, but then that's, um, you know, she might slot into their combinations, but mm. in the end... You know, each coach has got to go for what they want. I mean, you live by your sword. You know, what you pick is uh,
2: where, it's in, you know, where it ends up. Absolutely. So. And I guess the proof's in the pudding when, when we get to it. Um, you, you just had a little reflection on, on previous uh, teams. What do you think about where netball's at at the moment? The Suncorp Super Netball, um, for me, seems to just be going from strength to strength. What are, what are the key differences that you see from, let's say, 10 years ago to now?
0: Well probably they're hitting the ground more. Yeah. I think Joe Harton must hit the ground five times a match. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but um
0: I oh, no, it just shows you, you know, the competitiveness. So um I'm I'm actually saying, I would have to applaud Netball Australia for taking the initiative to open it up to the world because something had to be done. I mean, uh, nobody more than me love winning with the Australian team and I know that might be hard for Lisa with uh, positional players that are coming in from um, outside, but in the end, it's really putting netball on the map, and uh, you know, and if it's going to make the rest of the world competitive, how good would that be? Because I think our, one of our major issues has always been, you know, you know, playing one of the teams and winning, you know, like seventy to twenty. It doesn't do the sport any no, good. Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's great. It's great for the Australian team because we feel pretty good about ourselves. <laughs> but then once you once you've been in these other countries and realise. They don't have that opportunity, but the athletes are as good. They just need to know how to do it and be trained up and they can produce. That's exactly what we've done with the South African mm, girls. Absolutely. So, you know, um, I just, I, I think it's a it's a great competition. You know, you get the odd ratty game and that, but basically overall, I think, um, you know, it's putting netball way out there. I'm wrapped that it's happened. Mm.
1: Now, another passion of mine is renovating, and I believe you're doing some of that yourself at your house, are you, Plum? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I've uh, done the, the, the kitchen, the both bathrooms, the laundry, uh, put in sh- new windows because they were sort of colonialism. Windows knocked them out. It's just <laughs> one oh, big, massive windows, and that's um, changed the whole look you're of the busy. house. And, uh, yeah, because I, I bought the house, I was only in it for three years, and then went to the AIS for a two-year contract and came back 20 years later. Well,
1: you, you know
2: we've got a, an expert in the studio here. Oh, um, the, Plum and I have spoken about uh,
1: the block before. I think, watch yeah. out, Channel 9, you may be a new contestant. Yeah, I, I
0: did ring Carla a couple of times and say, so where did you pick up all your artwork?
2: You know? I, I might be in the market. Hey, Plum, just one more uh, question from me before we go now. Um You are known as uh, a tough coach, that is for sure. Very, um, you know, challenging for your athletes, uh, really high expectations. I watched with a great amount of interest at the 2015 World Cup when Taylor Swift's song came on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shake it you know, off! I believe you, nearly fell off your chair. I nearly <laughs> fell off my chair when I saw you come through that group of athletes shaking it off, um, and I thought, "Who is this? This is not something that I would have ever seen you do." Yeah, Ta- just talk to do me it with you lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we we know, were too if serious. I have that much stick, I would have I would never have done. Well, it but so. I, but it I do want to ask, what for you? And personally, your your role with South Africa, how, how has that um, been for you? Well, It feels like it's kind of given you a new lease on, on the way you approach things. You know,
0: I might have mellowed a bit, maybe. What? Oh, I, don't what? Oh, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. No, look, you know, you've got to be, it's horses for courses like everything else. I had to go in and, um, you know, I knew these kids were like, really sort of in awe, I guess, because like, oh, we've got the ex-Australian uh, coach and um, they're very nervous about everything. So, you know, yeah, I can tone it down when I like and, and it was more about the teaching or the product of, you know, getting them in the game and uh, the feedback uh, needed to be really specific to what they need and they, they could feel the improvements coming so they got more and more confident all the time. And Really, when it got to, uh, we'd only had like three weeks with them uh, before World Champs in um, in Sydney, so it wasn't a long time. And uh, I was upstairs having a coffee, and then um, I get this message: "I oh, would, could you go down? The, the girls are doing a photo shoot, and they they want you to come down." And I thought, "Oh well, that's probably one headshot, you know." <laughs> so I wandered down, you know, and. Uh, up that was doing all the video and said to me um look every team's got to do a um a dance to taylor swift he said you know we want the girls to do that and i said well that's okay that's fine they can do that and he said yeah but they want you to be in it <laughs> i said to him yeah, you've got to be bloody terrifying. i'm not doing that and he and i turned around and i looked at their faces and seriously i was that disappointed and then i thought Oh, bugger it <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to do I had none whatsoever I just he just said to them, You start off hmm. dancing normally you go to the side and when I wave my hand all split and normally you come up the middle. <laughs> I never realised, like, it was... And then they played it in the halftime of the Australian game and I thought, oh, my God, this and... is going to kill me. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing myself. And Nikki said to me, you said you just did a little dance. <laughs> and she was in tears. <laughs> well,
2: we were rolling tears yeah, and we all... Viral all over social media. Exactly. It was everywhere. It was I fantastic. Know. And Plum... Well, at, in different ways, we've all been in awe of you, as the South Africans were when they first came along. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today; it has been an absolute pleasure, and all the very best for your World Cup campaign. If
0: I can get them into the four, I would be really, really delighted.
2: Well, all then, the best we'll of that. be
0: watching. <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching myself, actually. <laughs> Thanks, Pam.
2: <Plum. laughs> Well, there you have it. That was Norma Plummer. Isn't she? I I love speaking to Plum. She's got such an amazing netball brain, so much history in this sport. But I tell you this right now, (laughs) she's having a bit of fun there. There is no way. It wasn't because we would give her a hard time. There is no way she would have been dancing to anything, let alone Taylor Swift Swift, when she was coaching us. No
1: way (laughs) she'd be mucking around laughing with us. (laughs) She's changed a lot. I wonder how we would have coped if we were in a team with her now.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it would be interesting. It would be interesting. But it was great to have a chat to Plum um, and certainly very much looking forward to having more discussions about the World Cup. And seeing like, how South Africa go. Yeah. You know
1: what? She could do it. They she could. They could crack the top four. Yeah, why not? I just love her passion for it now and yep. you know how
2: excited she is for it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we've got some good games coming up this week. Uh, Lightning taking on the Fever. Can they back it up? Uh, another big one. On Sunday afternoon, the Thunderbirds and the Swifts. I mean, that would be an interesting one for me. I mean, we spoke about the Thunderbirds before. Yeah. they could give it a shake. They really could. And then for me, the one that I mean, I'm, I'm going to be there, so You're I'm looking be forward to it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say I'm looking forward to this one, but the big game, really, for both clubs, the Giants and the Vixens, up in Sydney. Yep. Um. You know, the Giants got very, very close to the Swifts on the weekend, so. Um, you know they match up quite we match up quite well against yes, each other these absolutely two teams you so do. Yeah. um it's going to be
1: a really good battle and then i'm working at the magpies yes. firebirds game okay. on sunday so i'm looking forward to just seeing how magpies react this where their emotions are at. Are they Mm. about all for the win or what's going to happen? But, um, you know, this could be a great game for Firebirds, potentially uh, to have a great one.
2: Yeah, well, they haven't had their first win for the season. The Magpies' backs are against the wall, so we'll see how they respond to that. B, it's been fun again and uh, very much looking forward to chatting again next week. And I think we might have Nat Medhurst. If we play our cards right, we might
1: have Nat Medhurst next week. That is exciting.
2: She's always got lots to say, Nat Medhurst. Let's hope Magpies win. (laughs) Well, very much look forward to that. That has been the Inner Circle podcast for this week and hopefully we'll uh, catch you again next week.